Thanks for tuning in to the All Things Melanin Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like this week's episode, and share with a friend. Now let's get into this week's episode. Hi, I'm Shelby. And I'm Erica. And welcome to the All Things Melanin Podcast, where your certified hype women are getting you through the week. Be sure to subscribe so you'll never miss an update. Huh. Shelby, what's good? What's happening? What's popping? Poppin'. How you feeling? I was gonna ask you what day it was, but oh. <laughs> that's too. How you feeling? Um, first of all, I don't know how it's only Tuesday. Honestly, I feel like it's later in the week than that for me. But anyway, um, I'm doing okay. I guess I, I'm always saying that I don't know what else to say but how are you doing um you know I'm here um I'm surviving but barely but I'm okay I've been spending a lot of time with my parents and my granny girl my granny been giving us hell <laughs> I'm crying <laughs> um no she really has but um I'm I I guess you know I'm really I'm really trying to be positive my mom has really been on me about being more positive and about you know, having a better attitude, and sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't, but I'm trying. Yeah, I feel you on that. My mom called me yesterday. She was, and I, and I always panic when my mom calls me because she never calls. It's usually me always that calls. So I was like, "Mom, what's wrong?" I answered the phone. I said, "What's wrong? What happened?" She's like, <laughs> "Chill. I'm calling to check on you. I'm just trying to make sure you're good because you ain't been good. Like, are you okay?" So yeah. I appreciate that kind of thing, but like. Yeah. I feel you 100%. But what, um, what I will say, oh, I'm sorry, I was just going to say, the other thing that I will say in this season is that, like, I, um, the one thing that has been good is I think, like, just, like, overall, like, taking time to, like, even though, like, the season is really weird, you know what I mean? Like, we can't necessarily do what we want to do, but I think the season has been really good about, like, slowing down and being more present and, yeah. like, for me to, like, listen, like, I be listening to my friends, but I really, really be listening down. Like, I be like, dang, like, I'm all invested like a therapist now. I'm like, okay, I think we should do this. Or I think mm-hmm. if we do that, we should do that. But I think that this season has, like, been really good for that. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about, um, this has really been, like, disturbing to me that I saw on social media was, Meg the Stallion, Meg the Stallion getting shot in both of her feet, crazy. Um, but apparently, Jada uh, Drea was making comments. Um, she like did a podcast interview saying she wished she had a man that would shoot her in both feet and stuff like that. So, what do you think about that? And like, what are your thoughts? Because it really, really disturbs me. And I'm a fan of Meg the Stallion. I'm not a fan of Drea, but I'm a fan of Meg. And I'm like, don't come for her. <laughs> like, what do you think? Um, I think for me, like, I don't know, it was just really, really, it was just really sad and heartbreaking to me because I think Meg is really just like an authentic, real person, you know, for the, I'm sure everybody knows, but for those that don't know, you know, Meg doesn't have either of her parents, she lost her grandmother, so she's really out here just navigating being a 25-year-old by herself with all this money and all this fame, and she just really seems to be like, oh, genuine, cool people. And I think because she's so friendly and so nice and obviously she's famous and she has money, I think that people surround herself. People love to be around her. Um, And I think that 
one of the things that this has forced her to do is to look at her circle and to look at the people that are around her. And, excuse me, a lot of people are upset because, you know, Fifi made a comment and he, quote, didn't get the same negative feedback. But I think people went so hard on Drea, and I agree with, is that Drea is posted up in here, is posted up with pictures, you know, with Meg, you know, acting like she's her friend, hanging out with her at the club and doing different things like that. I think at the end of the day, it's a girl code. And at the end of the day, you don't go against, you can do a lot of things, but do not go against the girl code. And for me, when she sat up there and she made those comments about those men that still get their job and that don't got no flag, I just felt like that was like a low ball. And I felt like that was dirty. Like, okay, what did you get out of that? You got a little giggle. You know what I mean? But right. I just feel like it just hurt me because I feel like we, we've been talking about this on the past couple episodes. Like, Black women have to have, like, as a black woman, like, I have to have my back, right? But if you're my friend and you up in my section and you posting with me and you got my number and we hanging and we cooling, we on vacation, I expect you, the bare minimum is to have my back. You know what I mean? So if you said that in public, what are you saying behind my back? Are you right. loyal to me behind my back? And I think for me, it just really showed Drea's character, like, that is not funny. That's never going to be funny. That little apology that you gave is not good enough. Because at the end of the day, I just feel like women, black women have the weight of the world on their shoulders. And I just think for another black woman to come behind that and to make a joke out of that, like, that's not cool. And I think that is a reflection of, you know, men not treating Drea how she wants to be treated and her not receiving the love that she wants. Because I think that her fiance cheated on her. So I just think, like, it just wasn't cool. I was really upset. I was really infuriated. And I was just like, you know, like, that just breaks the girl code. Like, of all the things for you to say, like, she is like the, she just seems like the sweetest, coolest, realest person. And I can't imagine her having to navigate, you know, all of this by herself. Right. And I was seeing people say, like, well, first of all, Drea got dropped from Savage by Fenty. Um, obviously. Yes, obviously. Um, But one of the things I kept seeing people saying about Meg was like well that's why you don't need to trust everybody you out here trying to be everybody's friend and I'm just like why are y'all saying that I'm like she's just literally a genuine person that's what it comes across to me is that she's a genuine uh person and she ain't out here trying to be better than nobody like she is who she is type of person so what does her being friendly to people have to do with her getting in this situation there's no excuse for what happened and of course we don't we can only speculate because they ain't really said but we know what happened and it's like there's no justification for that I don't care who she friends with who she not friends with like what happened to her is a trauma like it's going she probably won't ever get over it I mean she'll probably you know get better yeah get better with dealing with it but like that is a that's traumatic what happened to her so what is wrong with people they always have something to say when it ain't happening to them or somebody that they love and I think the other thing that bothered me about it is that like um, I saw, um, I didn't see the whole live, but I saw clips of the live because I couldn't find it. I don't think she saved it or kept it up. But one thing that she came out and she kept saying is she, you know, I think she made a comment similar to, you know, like, you know, I, I didn't, I, I wasn't doing anything or I didn't deserve it and just all those different things. And basically, you know, basically telling people like, you know, there was nothing that I did to deserve what happened. And mm-hmm. for me, that really broke my heart. I said, this woman just sat up here and got shot and you know had to have surgery but she still as a black woman she still has to defend herself against yep. the basic like 
you know, the basic things of right or wrong. And I was like, man, like, it doesn't matter the circumstance. Like, she didn't deserve that. Like, she don't, she shouldn't even have to explain herself. But the sad reality is she did and she has. And even though she did explain herself, people still had negative and mean and horrible things to say. And that didn't sit right with my spirit. No, me either. Like I said, I'm team Meg. I feel like I'm one of the hotties, you know. <laughs> so I just love her. So I I feel I felt that in my soul too when she was when she made that her first like announcement after everything. Yeah. Um well let's move on to our first segment of the day, which is dating and relationships. Um so the topic is it says people always stress the importance of being equally yoked in relationships and the power of being with the right person. So do you agree or disagree, um, Shelby? First of all, I think we need to define what equally yoked actually means. Okay, so I'm going to read y'all the Bible version, and I'm going to read y'all Shelby's Ebonic version. Okay, here we go. The Bible version comes out of 2 Corinthians 6.14. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Oh, so that was 14 through 15. So basically to me, when I um, think about the Bible version, it just really means that like a believer cannot be with a non-believer or a believer that doesn't have a strong faith as they do. So I feel like that is the Bible version, in my opinion. The Ebonics version is you can't be with somebody that does not have the same, um, that doesn't have the same, vision for their life that does not have a purpose or a mission you can't be with somebody that doesn't have the same similar values um an outlook or that y'all aren't going in the same um direction like essentially you have to be on the same page about all the important things um that you want to get out of life and I think that if you are with somebody that is unequally yoked it's going to ruin your life and you're going to be miserable right I definitely agree on the importance of that, of being equally yoked. Because like you said, it, it goes deeper than just like, oh, he cute, I'm cute. We love, we got the same style. We like the same colors. Like, no, that's not what we mean by equally yoked. Like yeah. your beliefs, your values, um, things that your, your, even your, your goals are like being able to, to strive together and things of that nature. But I feel like people don't consider that because that first of all you are met with the infatuation stage when you're first beginning with a person and you just want so badly for this person to be your person when really we don't take the time to really look beneath the surface and figure out okay are we really equally yoked like what are your values what is your character like that is the kind of things that need to be equally yoked because then even goes down to your beliefs like how would you raise your children if y'all have two completely different beliefs you know, like th- that's how I personally think of it. Um, and then I just feel like I haven't, I don't, I, I'm trying to think if I've dated anybody who like always, who, who wasn't a Christian. I can't think, but I've never in my past, like my earlier relationships, it was never something that I had on my radar. It's almost like of course I want you to be a believer, but like, what else? You know what I mean? I'm like, okay, I, I feel like now going forward, I need to make sure that that's one of the top, top, top things. Like I always said like, oh yeah, you you have to, you know, be a Christian too. But like, did I really take that seriously? You know what I mean? It's like, because that defines to me, it defines what you believe in your core values, how you would, 
you know, your character, things like that. So yeah. I think that I never considered that early on in my earlier dating relationships. And it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, whatever. But like really considering that is important. And even, not even just relationships, friendships, too. I used to have a friend who um, didn't she claimed herself to be an atheist. And I had known her since like the eighth grade. But something that she um, like ridiculed me for. I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be friends with her anymore because it's like she kept like trying to challenge me. And I was like, I'm not challenging you. You know, I'm like, you're my friend. I love you. Whatever you believe, I still yeah. love you. Whatever you want to do, I still love you. But I it got to the point where it's like, okay, we're unequal unequal in friendship. Like I can't, I can't do it. So yeah. I definitely agree. I think for me, um I've i I haven't dated anybody that um um in the biblical person, I haven't dated anybody that doesn't believe in Jesus or God, but um, I do believe that I haven't dated people that have had um, a strong faith and that were trying to have a strong faith, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times, you know, we ask people, you know, what is your faith or what are you or, you know, what religion or whatever, however you ask the question, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. what do you practice? And people be like, oh, you know, I believe in God. Um, I'm a Christian and we leave it at that. But I think that a lot of times we don't delve into it and get more in depth and get more answers like okay like are you bedside baptist christian or (laughs) are you you know i'm trying to go to church and figure things out because there's a difference and i think for me in dating um especially being older and you know getting more clear on you know the type of mate and the type of husband that i want um i'm really starting to figure out those things and i think definitely going forward that i am going to um you know be more inquisitive and ask you know deeper questions I think that a lot of times we get you know afraid and scared to ask those type of questions about faith and I put that out there to say like I do not know everything about the Bible I don't open my Bible every day you know I struggle just like every other Christian but I do you know I do make an effort and I do try and on the days I fail I get up and I try the next day and I think it's important to for me if you're if you're a Christian and different things like that or you have faith you know to be with somebody that is striving and that is trying because you know I just think that if you have faith and he don't and it's weak and he ain't trying and he don't even know how to pray for himself, like there ain't nothing he could do for you in the hard times. You know, like I'm sitting mm-hmm. here, I was sitting here thinking and I was, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, we in this pandemic and things like that. And I was like, you know, like it's just something about this pandemic that was like, that made me get crystal clear. But like, Shelby, you really got to be with somebody that's really going to ride with you and that you are really equally, you know, yoked with. And I think about it you know, um, on a deeper level, like, you know, do me and him want the same things? Do we both want children? Do we want to build wealth? Um, you know, do we want to travel the world? Um, is he going to be my best friend? Does he care about my opinion? Um, does he, you know, stifle my voice? Does he appreciate my voice? You know, just kind of different things like that. And I think sometimes we don't ask those questions because like I said, you know, we get afraid or we get scared. And I think that when it comes to dating and it comes to finding your mate, um, I think as women, we got to stop being scared. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times as women, we get scared that he going to leave us or he ain't going to like it. Like, you can go. Like, for me, like, faith is big. For me, having a mission and having the same values and similar standards and outlook on life, that's big for me. And I just feel like if you can't align with that, then, you know, you have to go. And I think that sometimes, like I said, like, we get scared that, you know, he is going to be offended by the conversation or, you know, he's going to think that we're being too pushy 
or that he's going to be like, you're being too much. But I do think that there are ways that you can bring up these conversations to have them naturally and not interrogate them. But I feel like it's a, a conversation to have. I don't know about you, but like, you know, there have been times that I've dated somebody and they've been a good person, but we haven't been on the same playing field um, faith wise and we weren't on the same playing field mission wise. And to me, I just felt like really, I don't know, it's a weird feeling to feel disconnected from somebody or to like not, you know, vibe with somebody. I think that's something that you can't force. I think some people do try to force it and they end up miserable and, you know, things go haywire and different things like that. But I think when it comes to being equally yoked, I think that at the end of the day, it's something that's down in your gut that you feel. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like you know that, you know, somebody's not equally yoked to you or you know somebody's not trying. And I, I said all that to say, like, I'm not saying that, you know, anybody has to be perfect because I'm far from perfect. I make so many mistakes. I fall short every single day. But what I am saying is, like, I need somebody that's going to try, that is that is um, actively seeking a relationship with God, you know, that actively is pursuing wanting more and better, you know, for their lives and different things like that. And that want similar things that, you know, I want because I never, ever um, – want to waste my time and I never ever want to waste your time and I think that we waste a lot of each other's time trying to make people the one yes that right there (laughs) and I think um we have to realize that being equally yoked is a spiritual thing it really is when you look deeper and like and when you come into go into a relationship or dating um situation you have to come in first of all knowing what your values are and also knowing what you want in that man's character and how that aligns with your character. Those are very important things. So that way you're able yeah. to gauge like what you're equally yoked on. Um, yeah. And then I feel like there's always these relationship gurus like oh, that talk about <laughs> that they talk about, you know, how, five ways to know how he the one or uh, five ways to know how he Mr. Right or ain't right. But nobody really stresses like the importance of this topic right here. Nobody expresses expresses the importance of being equally yoked with somebody. And I and don't even get me started on what I think about relationship gurus. I feel like people always just trying to sell you a package to figure out, oh, he the one or he ain't the one. I really feel like it comes down to the core value of are you equally yoked? Period. Yeah. It's really don't gotta be that complicated. So I, I definitely agree. No, I was just going to say, like, I definitely agree. And I think that a lot of times I'm going to get you started because I'm going to get started. Um, I think a lot of times that it comes down to a lot of times we model what we think equally like we model our definition um, on being. I think a lot of people have made equally yoke a non-spiritual thing mm-hmm. and um, a man-made thing. And I think a lot of people take equally yoked as like what Guru would say, this is the five things that you need to know to know that he's equally up. No, and I think, and I said that to say another tidbit, like we got to stop putting our faith and trust in these quote relationship gurus. Sis, like Mm-mm. he is not, like they're not, like you're not married to the relationship guru. You're not sleeping with the relationship guru. You're not building a family with the relationship guru. Like I think that you have to take, you know, what they say with a grain of salt. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, seeing what people have to say, you know what I mean? Or seeing yeah. what people's opinions are. But I think you have to know what you can digest and what you got to throw out. And I think a lot of times, um, a lot of things that come from our definition of being equally yoked or being with the quote right person come from relationship goals of people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but 
there's not one person on this earth that's relationship goes to because they don't like because I think every relationship is different I think it's okay to admire relationships if that makes sense but I guess it just comes down for me like I don't know what they're going through and what they're talking about and how they're treating each other behind closed doors now I know how they're acting in public but I don't know what goes on in their house and I think it's a really dangerous um alley or a really dangerous area to get in when you start idolizing relationship gurus and taking what they say you know for you know gold or what's right and you start idolizing just you know different people in relationships and different things like that I think that's um a really dangerous road to go down just in general it definitely is especially when you start to like envy other people's relationships I have no idea what's going on in nobody relationships so there's no way I'm about to envy or want what you got when I don't know what you got to deal with at night. I don't know what he looked like when you got to sleep at night. So I'm not going to envy none of that. So for me, I definitely don't like how the, I think it's just a lot of these relationship gurus are trying to obviously monetize off of emotions yeah. of women. And I just, I don't agree with it. Um, I remember seeing a post from one of them. Uh, It was something like, the three ways to like become more attractive to a man I'm like what why we gotta become more attractive first off why is it on us to do it and I was on women I know and it was like uh something about smell good or or uh wear clothes your size and and something else I can't think of it y'all but I was just like is this is this real life like there's no tips and tricks on relationships I've always said, well, me and Shelby have always said, you can't store bought a relationship. You have to build it and cultivate it. And, and it's up to you, the two people that are in it to build it. Like people think that like, oh, when I get with him, we just going to be in love. We just going to, no. this is going to be last forever. It's not if neither one of y'all putting in the work, period. So it's like, I think yeah. that, um, I think like you said, Shelby, it's just dangerous to try to like rely on ourselves with these relationships, uh, rely on the advice of relationship gurus, because then that makes us feel like we're not doing something to be in a yeah. relationship. Cause we've always already addressed in, in other shows that like, well, we always get asked, why aren't we in relationships? Well, if we start get, giving into like relationship advice from gurus, then it starts to think, then we start to question ourselves like, Oh, well, we're not doing these three things to become more attractive. So maybe that's why like, no. Yeah. <laughs> And and I think the main thing, like I said earlier, is just make sure you're equally yoked with the person. That's yeah. really what it comes down to, to know if they're the right person. And then for me, I always I always pray about the person. I pray for discernment about the person. I pray for that person to be removed and he don't need to be there. Like, I, I, I'm serious about who I let in my energy, who I let in my space, who I let in my heart. Because once I once you're in my heart, I love very, very hard. And so yeah. I don't ever want to let somebody in that I'm not equally yoked with at the end of the day. Now, you do have to be careful because some people will play the part like yeah, they're equally they yoked. But there's always signs along the way that I feel like we can't just ignore. But sometimes when we get too far into it, we ignore them because we're like, oh, well, that's just how he is. No, that's mm-hmm. how he always going to be. And you yeah. need to like reevaluate. So that's what my opinion is on that. Yeah, and I think that the last thing that I'm just going to add is that, it, it, like we said, it definitely is important to be equally yoked, but, like, to understand and to know that there is so much work that goes into, you know, relationships and to making it work and to, you know, having your person. I think that a lot of times we glamorize um, 
relationships and we glamorize, you know, being equally yoked. Yeah, you meet somebody that is pursuing faith like you. That's great. You meet somebody that has similar values and different things like that. That's great. You got the foundation, but now you got to put in the work. And I think that we have to be very careful about, you know, just glamorizing different um, parts of relationships. I think it's important to you know, want that and to pray for that and work for it. But I think when you glamorize it, I think that sometimes, um, I think that, that, that that can become dangerous because I feel like if you're glamorizing, then you're not putting in the work and you're not doing what needs to be done to, um, cultivate that relationship. I think that you have to continually work at it and you have to continually evolve and you have to continually work to continually be, you know, equally yoked in the best, um, version of each other of the best version of yourself for each other essentially yeah I think that's a great way to say that great way to close that segment <laughs> um, so let's move on to our next segment is the journey so this is when we've discussed something about that we've learned or how we've grown or challenges on um, our journey to building all things melanin um, so let's talk about how to pivot in changing times so what are some ways that we have pivoted successfully, Shelby? Um, I would definitely say that, and I'll just use like the COVID um, pandemic police brutality. I think we were able to um, pivot and I guess the way that we pivoted is that, you know, we just kind of slowed down our posting a little bit. We gave our ourselves time to feel and kind of figure out like how we were feeling and then you know the message or the content that we wanted to put out and so I think that when you're pivoting it's very important to read the room yeah and I say that to say that a lot of companies and organizations and brands they did not read the room which really allowed them to um get charged up (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that we were successful um in pivoting because we read the room, we stayed true to ourselves, and we were authentic. I think when you're pivoting, it's really important to know, uh, to read the room of what's going on in the world and what's going on um, with your audience. And I think once you kind of establish how they're feeling and different things like that, it's important not to be insensitive to what's going on in their lives. For instance, when all this first broke out, I started, I was seeing some influencers, you know, still posting and doing sponsor posts about, I guess, essentially things that didn't matter now I understand that you gotta pay your bills I get it but it's just something about seeing a lamp that you just did a sponsored post on that I don't care about but what I do (laughs) care about is that George Floyd got murdered in broad daylight in front of all these people and nothing has happened what I do care about is Breonna Taylor got murdered sleeping in her home and the cops have not been arrested that's what I care about I don't care about your lamp And I'm probably Mm going to bother you because I don't have time for it. So I think that you just have to read the room and you have to pivot. And I think there's a way that, you know, you have to know, you have to know when to jab and you got to know when to pull back. And I think that this time has really taught us how to be more sensitive. I think that we are lucky in that we are a black owned brand. You know, Mm -hmm. so we're not new to what's occurring and what's happening. And I don't think that we had to pivot as much as a white brand may have had to or or a big brand may have had to, if that makes sense. But I do think that essentially we had to pivot and we had to, I think, um, for instance, one of the things that we did um, is when we first started recording again, um, one thing that me and Eric always do and we try to do is we really try to keep our podcast light. We really Mm -hmm. try 
you know, to make it like a release or a getaway where you can laugh. And you'd be like, girl, me too. But one of the things I think that we've been more um, conscious about doing and pivoting is talking about, you know, topics that pertain to us. One of the things that we did when we first got back is we talked about police brutality in the pandemic and how we were feeling as black women, you know, navigating the world. And that was one of our hardest episodes, but it's one of the episodes that people have reached out to us and said, that was good. We needed that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think um, we pivoted just by, you know, deciding to stay true to ourselves and deciding to be more open and transparent and to honestly be um, more vulnerable. I know for me, I'll say that this is probably the most vulnerable in the past month or two that we've been recording that I have ever, ever been. And it's not, and I think that us being vulnerable and us being open to our story, it's not, you know, for cloud or anything. It's just honestly to know, for people to know that, you know, we're not always okay, you know, and we're not, we don't always have the answer, but this is how we're feeling. Do you feel this way too? Right. Because I think (laughs) that we're all, like our whole brand is positive, right? but we're also dealing with real life. So it's not, so we always want to make sure that we maintain the authenticity, meaning if we're not okay, we're not okay. And we're able to speak that on our podcast, which makes it great because it's kind of therapeutic to be honest. So um, I think how we successfully pivoted was of course, everything you said, Shelby, and, and still being able to maintain our life at the same time. I think that's the most important or beautiful thing that we've been able to do is in in spite of everything that we've addressed and all the heavy topics that we've um, had that we spoke on, we're still able to maintain being a light to people, which is at the end of the day, what we've always wanted to do. Um, And so then at the beginning of like all this changing times and um, the way that we pivoted was first, we kind of took a step back so that we could assess how we wanted to address things. Cause I remember that Shelby and I had a conversation like, okay, well, how are we going to do this? Cause at first I honestly personally felt like, okay, we need to put something out right now. But then I was like, I, that doesn't feel authentic to me if we're just trying to put something out because everyone else is putting that out on social media too. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So I think what was successful for us is that we wanted to make sure that we did it our, our way um, and not just follow the trend. Because like I said, if you listen to one of our other podcasts, I honestly felt like a lot of these companies will maybe white corporations, I'm just going to say it, just yeah. address these these times because it was a trend. They address Black Lives Matter because it's a hashtag and a trend to them. And they don't want to be the only corporation that's not saying something about it. So I think we didn't want to be that in our in our industry. We didn't want to be the one that like, oh, well, they just saying something because the next brand said something. But like Shelby said, we've always we've always been for the for the black people, for the me- for the melanin. We two black women, like we've always yeah. been for the culture. So I think um, we've done it successfully. And like I've always said, I'm really proud of us on how we handled that because there's, I mean, having a brand or having a platform that has a podcast you can't ignore things that are going on you do have to address them and um I think we did it in the right way for us yeah I agree okay so let's move on to our next segment which is the mentor moment um this is where Shelby and I give our advice on a listener letter that was submitted to us so the letter reads 
Hey, Shelby and Erica, I need some real honest advice. So I found this guy that I really like. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it don't say, oh, Lord, y'all, that's me. Um, he's everything I've always said I wanted. However, he has a child. He's a great father, active, and all the things a dad should be. I've always said that I would never date a man with a child, but decided to be open to the idea. There's a lot that comes with dating a man with a child that I didn't realize, and I'm not sure if I'm ready or equipped for it. Should I talk to him about my feelings? Should I let it go? Or should I write it out? What you got, Shelby? <laughs> so here's the thing. I'm going to try to keep this real cute. Um, So I've dated somebody that has a child, one. And I've had dated somebody that has a child more than one. And one thing I will say is that first thing, if you date a man that has a child, you have to know and understand that you'll never be number one. Like, mm-hmm. never. So you got to be okay with coming second, third, or fourth. That's the first thing. And the second thing that I'm going to say, and that I'm going to stand by, like, I'm a, I stand by this hard, that if you can't accept that he has a child or he has children, leave him alone. Because yep. I don't, I don't, I personally don't think it's fair to be halfway in and date a man with a child because a lot comes with it. Um, right. And I think, and I think it's selfish. Because I just feel like, um, and I'm trying to be more sensitive, I guess, to the man, you know, or whatever. But I just feel like he has a lot more to lose and he has a lot more to think about. But I think that if you're not going to be all in and date him and accept, you know, the responsibility of his child or children. And, you know, you got to give him grace in a lot of different areas. You know, you got to plan stuff. You got to, you know, be more, I guess you know, lax because the child's going to come first and then you add in the child of his mother and you add in his job. It, it's a lot. And I remember I had dated somebody that had more than one child and I, I honestly just stopped dating him because he had more than one child and I just knew that I wasn't okay with that. And, um, and that was okay because I don't have children. I can mm-hmm. do that. I can walk away. But at the same time, um, I was having a conversation with my mom and my mom was like, if you date with a man with children, if you ain't going to be all the way in and you're not going to be understanding, she was like, don't go in. And that would be my advice. Now, if you can accept that you're never going to be number one, which is okay. You know what I mean? Because there are men out there with children that are amazing partners. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And there are men out there with children that will make an amazing husband and that will, you know, treat you like a queen. But I think it's different. You know what I mean? Um, so I think that if you can accept that, you know, you know, you're going to have to be on the back burner some. And then I think you have to accept that if you're not going to be all in and give it all you got, especially with a child and accept everything that comes with it, which is the child, the baby mama, they family, your family, parenting troubles, drama, all of that. If you can take on all of that, then go for it. But if you don't think that you can handle it or it's too much or you're having doubts about him because he has a child, leave him alone. Because I don't I personally don't think that's fair. I absolutely agree. They can't be half in and half out. You can't be like, you know, I I think my thing when, when this person asked, should I talk about my feelings about it? Um, You do have to be sensitive because a child to me, that is your man's, if that is, if it's going to, if it's his child, it's his, it's a package deal is what I'm trying to say. Yes. So it ain't no like, oh, you get him, but not the child. No, that, that child comes with him. So if you love him, you're going to have to work on loving the child too. And so I think um, 
that's a lot of things that we that some people or she may not consider um and like she said there's like you said there's a lot that comes with it like the responsibility the co-parenting my advice would be ask all the questions yes you want to ask ask what's the relationship between him and the mother ask you know how long they've been together how long they've been separated like you know all of that those are very very important questions because for me personally I've dated someone that had a child I've dated someone that had a child on me I've dated somebody that was still living with a baby mama and I didn't know um and then you know it's so for me obviously my outlook would be oh I don't want to date somebody with a child but I think when I when I had that mindset it was coming from me not having a child of my own I feel like my mindset would have been different if I you know I have a child and I'm like okay well yeah I would understand him having a child because I have one I understand him on that level um but there could be a lot of great positive things about this man the fact that he is a father like she just said he's a great dad he's a great you know um he's everything a dad should be that to me is very very attractive so you know, there's a catch 22 here. It's like, that really says a lot about the character of a man that he's there. But you also, I think the main takeaway here is just ask all of the questions. Because if it is a situation where um, there's some drama, you need to know. And he needs to be forthcoming with that because you don't want to be down the line. It ain't what you thought it was. And so I have a question for you, Shelby. (laughs) It's kind of along this this line. So how would you feel? I I saw this, I think it I think it was on Twitter. I saw this where this man had brought his child on the first date with this woman. And now, you know, cut like, I think it was like five or six years later, they're, they've been, they've, they're married. And I feel like Latoya Luckett and her husband, her husband had a, a daughter. Yeah, they did, they did that. And, and he brought on the first date. So how would you feel if, if you're the guy you dating did that on the first date? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. It would be a lot for me, and I would be off put. I mean, let me tell you why. Because, but I, I guess in a way, I kind of understand. But I would be off put. I would really prefer you not. Maybe she can come on the second one <laughs> if you make it to two. <laughs> and it's only because on the first one, I'm really trying to figure out if I even like you and if I can even vibe with you and if you deserve a second date. You know. So like. I feel like the first date should really be, you know, focusing on you two and what you bring to the table. But I guess playing devil's advocate, I can understand because most of the time, if you don't get along with that child, it's it's not going to work. You're not. Yeah. You're not going. I remember one time I dated this guy and his niece hated me. Like, she just did not like me. I mean, we didn't work out because he was trash, but um, <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. But, like, I guess, like, for me, like, I just know that if I had a child... And I'm not a parent, let me put that out there. But I know if I was a parent and I had a child and they did not like somebody I I dated, more than likely I wouldn't date them because I want my child to be comfortable and I want them to be open. So I mm-hmm. guess I can understand, you know, you bring the child on the first day, but it's risky. Yeah. Because, like children in general, you know, they don't want anybody to um, infringe upon their territory. So, you know, I feel like it has to take time. I think that it would be a better idea to go on the first date with him first and see you know, if you like him, and then if he want to bring, you know, him or her on the second and third, but you just can't, you can't bring, you know, little Sarah or little Paul on me, and I don't know, because I'm a worker, and I stress, and I'm one of those people that I like things to go perfectly, and, and if I'm being honest, especially on first date, I get, first dates, I get really anxious, and I get really nervous, and I really get worked up, like, sometimes to the point that I almost turn around, and I don't go. 
So I just think that's a risky move. I I wouldn't. If I had a child, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, me either. I think it's it's a uh, like one of the most crucial things is to watch who you bring around your child. I know for me, I my I have a protective nature anyway, so I know for a fact I wouldn't be doing that. But then if I go on a date and the guy. You know, obviously, if he lets me know ahead of time, I would still kind of consider it a turnoff. But let me explain. I would consider it a turnoff because I'm like, okay, do you just bring your child around everybody and anybody? Because you don't know me. This is our first date, you know. So I think I would, like you said, it would be kind of offsetting if I go and and the child is there. But, of course, I would embrace the child. Like, you know, I'm not yeah, – I, I love kids. I want kids of my own. But it's like that's just kind of weird. And so I'm like, to me, it would be like, oh, wait, you moving too fast. You already trying to have me to set mama already. Like, I can't. Like, <laughs> like we don't me... even know if we like each other. Right. So um, I that's, that would be a turnoff to me in that way. But back to um, the mentor moment, I just feel like she, you know, she said that she's not sure if she's ready or equipped. You have to be sure. You, have you do. To. Because it can't be. It's not there. Yeah, because then, you know, if you really become serious with this man, you could be responsible for picking him up, you know, dropping him off at the mom's yeah. house. You never know how he's going to incorporate you in the co-parenting and then taking care of the baby. Like, and like you say, you're not going to be like number one. Of course, he can make plans to like have a babysitter or whatever so y'all can have y'all date nights. But it's like it's going to be a different dynamic versus if it's just you and him getting to know each other. It's, it adds another layer when you're yeah. already trying to build something with somebody, trying to get to know them, and then they have a child. It's a lot. So you have yeah. to be sure. I would not move forward if I wasn't sure or if I didn't feel like, oh, yeah, this is the right move for me. But at the end of the day, ask all the questions. That's all yeah. I got. <laughs> It's just, that's not an easy one. And I, and like I said, like Erica said, and I said, like, you gotta, you gotta be a thousand pushing it sure when children are involved. Cause that's not fair because I mean, children get attached, you know, children mm-hmm. start asking for you. It's just, it's not fair. And it's a sticky situation. Baby mama's probably involved. It's it's a lot. So if you're not a thousand percent sure in and you got any type of doubt, leave. Yes. And another thing too, if you do decide to move forward and, uh, you're pretty far along into the dating relationship and you have and you've met the child but you haven't met the mother that's a problem you need yeah. to meet the mom uh, I would I would prefer if it was me to meet the mom before I met the child just so you know because out of respect like for a woman perspective I would want that if it, the tables were turned so I just think um, in that situation you need to meet the other parent it's just fair it's mature like it shouldn't be like if he's telling you, "Oh, she crazy. I can't bring you around her." Well, like, right? Let me see the crazy for myself. <laughs> so that would be my advice on that. Um, but if you guys have any questions that you want us to answer, like this for our mentor moment segment, please send us an email to allthingsmelanintv at gmail dot com or slide in our DMs at allthingsmelanin underscore underscore. So our last segment of the show is words of encouragement. So Shelby, you want to go ahead and read that? Yeah. So our words of encouragement come from Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. And it says, my child, don't reject the Lord's discipline and don't be upset when he corrects you. For the re- for the Lord corrects those he loves, just as the father corrects the child in whom he delights. Okay. So um, when I read this all verse, it really, I know I keep saying this, but I just feel like Proverbs is really the season that I'm in right now. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes you know, um, as people and as humans and as women as whatever, 
um, you know, we try to be proactive in our life and we go out and we try to accomplish things and we try to do things and we try to gather things and different things like that. Um, but as man or as human, we make mistakes. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we forget that when we make mistakes and, you know, we brought them upon ourselves, just like, you know, if a child gets, you know, if a child does something that they're not supposed to do, more than likely they're going to be disciplined, right? So that goes for us as well, that when we do something we're not supposed to do, when we go somewhere we're not supposed to be, when we allow somebody in our life that was never supposed to be there, like God is going to um, essentially um, correct us so that we don't make the same mistake. And I think sometimes when God is correcting us or, you know, trying to show us what we're doing wrong, we get so upset and we say, why me? Instead of saying, God, what are you trying to teach me in this season? And I think sometimes we don't need to focus so much on the punishment, but we need to focus more on the lesson. Because one thing that I've learned is that if you keep making the same mistake over and over, God going to keep giving you the same test over and over. I don't Mm -hmm. know about you, but I don't want to learn. I don't want to be, I don't want to take God's test over and over because they get worse and worse every time. (laughs) Yes. They just do. And I think that in this season, I know for me, like God has really been trying to discipline me in a lot of areas of my life that I feel like are going to serve me in the future and serve me for the overall purpose that I've been praying for. And I'm going to be honest, it hasn't looked like I thought it was going to look. And sometimes your life isn't going to look how you thought it was going to look. And sometimes God is going to test you and correct you in areas that you thought that you was a genius. But turns out you suck. (laughs) and I think and I think we have to normalize accepting God's will for our life because I know for me I'm a very I'm a very controlling person in that I like things to go a certain way and I like things to be in a certain place you know what I mean and that's just not how life works so I think that if one thing I'm like I said one thing in the season I'm learning is I'm trying to stop asking why me and start asking what is this trying to teach me I'm really trying to work on myself in this season I'm really trying to accept the lessons that God has given me I'm trying to accept what he's trying to correct me and another thing about it is that sometimes God has to correct you before you can go to the next level or before you get to your blessing because if you go to the next level and you didn't learn this lesson or you go to the next level and you didn't get the correction you could really mess up your destiny you could really embarrass yourself and then you may not get a second chance to fix it I think sometimes we have to normalize these, I feel, I feel like sometimes we forget that these difficult seasons in our life um, often launch us into the best seasons of our life. And sometimes the most difficult seasons of our life really um, make us get honest about who we are and what we need to work on. Because I feel like sometimes we forget that we're not perfect and we don't have all the answers and we forget that we do need God in every single you know, aspect of our life. And when I read this Bible verse, it just reminds me that whatever season I'm in, to not neglect it and to not discard it and to really just try to be open and present and receive what God is trying to tell me and what he's trying to show me so that I am corrected. So that when, you know, I come out of this season or I come out of this test or I come out of whatever I'm in, that, you know, I got the lesson and I got the discipline so that I can be a better person and I can be a better human being. I agree 100%. And one thing I can add to that is um, when 
we're in the season of discipline. Um, I always try to look at it as growth because I feel like I think my issue with like discipline and certain things is discomfort. Like I'm so uncomfortable with certain situations and I'm like, you Shelby, I like to control situations. I even be like, Lord, you know, you could do it this way, like giving him suggestions. But it's like I yeah. the discomfort that you feel, I feel like is growth. That's what I try to tell myself is that I am growing within the discomfort. And then like it's really like a death, a death to like your former self, yeah. if you think about it like that. And so my encouragement would be like, just embrace that ending and that you're like peeling back the layers and you're growing. That's what I tell myself. And then also when there's seasons in my life where I am thriving and I am, you know, in a, in a blessed and highly favored season and people see that they have no idea what discipline I had to go through, what challenges I had to go through, what faith walks I had to go through, that type of thing. So it's not always going to be, you know, um, correcting all the time. And then next lesson is correcting all the time. What, the correction is for a reason. And you'll eventually get to that season where you're like, okay, God, I see why you had me go through that. But then people are going to look at you thriving, but they ain't going to see what you had to go through yeah. before to get there. And um, it's really tough, guys. I'm not talking like it's easy. It's very, very tough because it's it's easy to believe something for a short amount of time but when you've been asking and believing God for the same thing for years that's when that's another form of discipline too disciplining your faith discipline can you rely on him and not rely on the things that you have or the worldly like titles that we have from our job or from our education or from whatever so it's hard out here for this faith walk that's all I can say I hope that was encouraging to somebody but <laughs> No, but That's it's honest and it's true. Yeah. So okay. why don't you lead us out in prayer, Pastor Shelby? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we come to you as a Mosley how. First and foremost, thanking you for every person that has assembled to listen to this podcast. We know that in this season, there's a lot going on, Lord Jesus. There's too much to name. And in this season, it's really uncomfortable in a lot of different ways. But sometimes, Lord Jesus, uncomfort- uncomfortableness um, breeds more and what we need to get out of the season. So, Lord Jesus, we come to you and we ask that you will continue to bless each and every person that is listening to this podcast. We pray that whatever is on their mind, whatever is weighing them down, that you would allow them to overcome it and to persevere. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you are surrounding with people that um, love them, that encourage them, and that are genuine and that are loyal. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would continue to go before them to protect them and keep them. We pray, Lord Jesus, you know, because we don't know what tomorrow holds. We don't know what next week holds, but we know that you know what it holds. So we pray, Lord Jesus, that you will cover us. We pray that you will keep us. We pray that you will lead and guide us. We pray that you will comfort us in every which way and every which Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.